0: Welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina abraham zulunga Can you believe that this is the finale of our fifth season? This season was extra special to us because we recorded it on tour. Last summer, we raised $25,000 on Kickstarter to bring our live shows and kickbacks to new cities. And we hit D.C., Houston, Chicago, and L.A., and of course, our home base of Oakland, California. When we started You Had Me at Black two years ago, we set out to change lives because we knew that hearing stories could move people to believe in themselves, to not feel alone, to live life more boldly. But what we didn't anticipate was how much power there is in telling stories. Time after time, the storytellers on our show have expressed how freeing it was to speak their truths. Sometimes our stories feel like a weight that we carry around unnecessarily. We often don't realize that there are a thousand other people going through the exact same thing. And speaking up can give somebody that push that they need to know that they're not alone. To seek help, to leave a toxic situation, to call up that long lost friend or family member, to pursue her dream, or really just to keep fighting. And that's why our finale storyteller decided to share hers. We just ended our call for 30 stories in 30 days, but you can always submit stories on our platform. Head to youhadmeourblack.com slash own to share yours. Let's get into the story. She caught her husband texting her baby sister, causing her to dust off skeleton in her own closet and fight to break a cycle of trauma in her family. Here's what happened. I want you to breathe all the You're listening to "You Had Me at Black." Black, black, black. Light in the heart of the city. Black, man, listen, man. Black, black. This is "You Had Me
1: at Black." and We live, baby. So one morning, my husband and I we got into an argument on my way to an Alzheimer's walk. So my son and I we went to the Alzheimer's walk. When we came back, uh, my husband was still at the house. And my gut was like, just look at the phone bill. So I looked at the phone bill and I saw like multiple text messages back to back to my 12-year-old sister. And I was like, he didn't tell me that he was talking to anybody. Or that he was talking to my sister let alone. I would have assumed he would have gave me the heads up. Hey, I talked to your little sis today. She wants to know something about whatever. And I just talked to her. So that didn't happen. I brought it to his attention. I was like, hey, why are you talking to my sister? He's like, oh, well... She just texted me, and I just responded back, and I left it as that. So I paused, and I sat there. I was like, okay. that time, it just didn't add up because when I was looking at the phone bill, it was all after hours. While you were in the bed sleeping with me, you were texting a 12-year-old. At that moment, I started to reflect on when I went to North Carolina to see my brother, off for going overseas uh, to Afghanistan. He was in the Marines. So he was watching my son, who was an infant, my younger brother, who was eight, and my younger sister, who was 12 at the time. While I was in North Carolina, I called home, and my younger brother, we were talking to him, and he was like, hey, how's everything going at the house? Everything okay? He was like, yeah, but so-and-so was in the room with so-and-so, and I couldn't get in when I went in there. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, the door was locked. At that point, everything was going through my mind. Like, what could they be doing? Is he trying to hurt her? Is he trying to just talk her into doing something? Uh, trying to get comfortable with her? I didn't know. I was like, okay alright put him on the phone so I put him on the phone I was like what y'all doing he was like oh nothing I'm just watching the kids what why are you in the room oh well because she done something to the TV and I was trying to fix it I said okay alright fast forward back got into the argument by that time I think I already had it made up in my mind that I was going to leave just based on how it was going my pregnancy how he would treat me But that was confirmation that I was going to leave a lot sooner than I anticipated. So I left it as that. And whenever I went back home, which she was living in Houston at the time, I asked. I was like, hey, did he ever try to do anything to you or with him? She was like, no. I'll say, okay. But what would he ask you doing a text message? Oh, He would ask me if I had a boyfriend, what were we doing? Uh, If we did anything, where would we go? Just random questions i say okay pause it's all right well you okay he never tried to do anything no he never did so okay i left it alone with her but in my mind i was like hell no this don't add up why would a grown man ask a kid what they do with another kid months later i packed my stuff i told him i was moving when i moved out he had no contact with her And very little contact with myself. He wasn't able to get a phone number. He wasn't able to see her because she was only there because I was there. I allowed her to be in our midst because she's my sister. Like, I wanted her to hang out with us and to do the family thing that you always see on TV and see on the movies. But when I moved out, I removed that. And I moved into my own place. And it was just me and my son at that time. He was one years old. And I was becoming into myself. Like, oh, I got my own spot. I don't need him to do anything. I can actually do it. And old feelings started to manifest. And I couldn't get it out of my mind as to why he would talk to her. Like, what was going on? So, at that moment, it made me face my childhood of me growing up and my grandfather sexually molesting me and my sister so I vaguely remember that my dad had a conversation with his father about him touching my older sister but I can't remember anything past that but as a child all I can do is put the pieces together of she told and nothing happened so why should I tell that had been going on in my mind for probably about a month and I got really sick I couldn't move I was hurting so bad talk. my throat was really really sore and I had to call my dad to come get me and bring me to the hospital down here so I got to the hospital down here I checked myself in they gave me some medicine and I told the nurse that I needed some morphine she was like why would you request morphine I was like I just need some morphine because I need to sleep. I hadn't slept. I just need to sleep and just get away. And she was like, well, what's going on? And so I told her my situation. I was like, when I was younger, my grandfather used to molest me. Um, and now my husband is showing signs of things that he may want to do with my sister. And so she was like, have you ever told your mom? I was like, no. She was like, well, why not? And I said, well, my sister was being molested and nothing ever happened. She suggested that I contact my mom. And I told her that she needs to come to the hospital so I can talk to her about something. And she was like, you okay? What's wrong? And I was like, no, I'm not okay. I need you to come to the hospital. So when she came to the hospital, my oldest sister came to the hospital. And I was laying there and... The nurse was inside of the room, and she said, I'm going to give y'all some time to talk and walked out. And when she walked out, I told my mom that I'm sick. Uh, I felt that my ex-husband was talking to my sister and that when I was younger, I was molested by my grandfather. And she immediately just started crying because that was nothing I never revealed to her. My oldest sister knew because we were always together and we kind of talked about it as kids, but not how it made us feel or how did it alter us as adults. We just knew that my grandfather touched both of us and my mother just started crying and didn't know how to respond. And then she just immediately started to pray. That's what most black women do. When something gets hard, <laughs> we, we start praying. And so that's what happened. And then my mother called my biological father My mom told my dad, said, hey, your dad have been touching my girls. And we're going to do something about it. He was like, okay, well, what do you want to do about it? Do y'all want to confront him? Y'all want to go to the police? Or what do y'all want to do? And my mom told him, we're going to do all that. Like, we're going to get justice. My mom, my sister, and I, I get released from the hospital. So we drive around the corner to my grandfather's house. At that moment, I was so furious, still thinking about how my sister could be in this situation to where I wanted answers as to what was the thought process or you think you can mess with kids. Like, what was going on through your mind? So I was like, oh yeah, we're going to go up in there, we're going to confront him, and then... He's not going to admit to anything, and we're going to call the cops. Cops going to come, and then he's going to go to jail. That's not how it happened at all. My dad, at some point, he had already given his mama the heads up, which is my grandmother, that we were coming over there, and these were the allegations of what he did. So immediately when we get there, my grandmother, she was like, hey, y'all. Everybody was like, hey, and she walks out the house. My grandfather is there, and my dad was like, hey, we need to talk to you. So he sits in this big chair like he's the head of the table, just like it's his throne. He sits in this chair. I sit um, maybe 30, 30, so inches away from him, not far from him, on a love seat holding my son. My sister is there sitting on the side of me. Both of my parents are standing up behind us, uh, behind the couch. And so my dad said, my girl said that you touched him. What gives you the right to touch my kids? Did you touch him? And the room was quiet. He said, yeah, I did. And like at that moment, everybody was like, we were vindicated because we knew that he had done it. And he just vocally was like, yeah. So he immediately tried to downplay the whole situation it was like oh well I touched her older sister but I didn't touch me that he didn't touch me and I was like oh no you're not going to sit here and tell that lie that you didn't touch me so he told my mom that he phoned to us uh, touched our breasts and kind of didn't go too deep as to everything that he done but that he did touch our breasts and touch us inappropriately And I was like, okay. So I said, okay, so why did you touch me? Why did did you do what you did? And his response was, because I could. He also said, well, they never told me to stop. And I just like lost it. In my mind, I lost it. I was like, what did he just say? We never told him to stop because we kids. And so the room got quiet. And my mom was, like, so pissed off. She was like, I don't know what thing that gives you the right to touch my kids. Uh, Justice will be served. You're going to get what you're going to get coming to you. And he was like, is that a threat? She was like, no, it's a promise. Then we proceeded to go to the police station. Then a detective caught up with us, and we went in and done a formal interview. And that was a moment that it was defined that he done way worse to my sister than he ever done to me. So he would crawl into bed with her. If she would sleep over there for the weekend or for the night, he would crawl into bed with her at nighttime and do things to her. And I was like, damn, he didn't do that to me. And I was pissed off because you violated me by touching me and fondling me. But you done a lot more to her. After all of our statements were done, my biological dad was still living in the same household with his parents as if nothing had ever been revealed. I was hurt. I was sad. I didn't talk to him. Uh, I still don't talk to him now just because of choices he's made as a man. But I couldn't wrap my mind around the concept of how you allow somebody to hurt your kids. A year later, my grandfather was finally arrested for the crime of sexual assault to me and my sister. Uh, But come to find out, After speaking with his daughter, his aunt, he had molested both of them, both of my aunts, which were his girls as well. And growing up during their childhood, CPS were called multiple times to remove him out of the household. And my grandmother bailed him out of jail each time to bring him back to the same house as to where he was molesting his own daughters that was a cycle for him as to he got away with it, his kids, he's going to get away with it with his grandkids to to kind of wrap it up he is on probation by the time he was in jail, he was probably 76, 78 still living to this day, but he received probation, he couldn't come in contact with any kids uh, whether it's at church, schools uh, any type of functions and he had to register as a sex offender. Having my my ex husband display signs of what I I thought would have been sexual assault to my younger sister made me deal with what I had hidden in my closet. Sexual assault is so real in black culture we tend to hide family secrets of Uncle John used to mess with his sister's daughter 30 years ago. And our culture expects for everything to just go on and keep the secrets and never shine light on these people. And they should be pointed out and known as, hey, he's a pedophile. He's a, he's an abuser. He physically assaulted her, sexually assaulted her and not be shameful because you spoke up for yourself and you divided the family because people don't want to believe that certain people are capable or that they do harm to their family members but it's real people do it all the time but I I hope this brings something to somebody that they never have to try to defend their perpetrator or try to hide it let them feel the shame and not you because you're the innocent one and just embrace it and and say, hey, this is what happened, how do I move on? How do I become a successful, thriving adult to where I prevent this? Or I know the signs when I see it to help somebody else who's afraid to come forward.
0: This episode was Mixed and Mastered by Miles Dotson. Thanks for listening, and special shout-out to the team who makes sharing our stories possible. Take it away, Brittany. This season of You Had Me at Black was produced by Stephanie Lowe, Johanna Middleton, Jody Williams, Rachel Jones, Adiza Egan, and me, Brittany Abrahams. Miles Dotson made us sound good. And Tashana Stewart and Martina, they did everything else. And if you're a producer or marketer interested in joining our team, send us an email at talktous at youhadmeatblack.com. Till next season. Peace. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. If you want to hear more stories like this one, leave a review. You're listening to You Had Me at Black.